I'm gonna push him. Ooh, what if our intro was just the sound of us eating mac and cheese? <laughs> I've never even thought about that, but the sound of mac and cheese is one of the. You're just looking into each other's eyes. Romantically. Not romantically, Hannah. Not romantically. <laughs> Not romantically, Hannah, I promise you. Uh, it was strictly formal. I was looking into her eyes like I was making a business deal. Yeah, it was very platonic. <laughs> we're going to be rich. It was, it was so platonic. It was about our business, a <laughs> podcast, and how we're going to make so much money off of this stupid little podcast. <laughs> So much. Don't worry, Dad. Don't worry. Don't worry, Mom. We're making so much money. <laughs> uh, hey, guys. Welcome to Media Psycho. Yeah. Let's see how that turns out in the uh, <laughs> in the editing later. Um, yeah. So this is our podcast. We are two native Tennessee. Villians, Tennessee Knights, Tennessee. Uh huh. I hate the word Tennesseans because it's so Nashvillians. Yeah, six one five, four two three. Where my Johnson City, Bristol, and Kingsport City uh, players at? They don't have internet out there. <laughs> they only they only have corn, <laughs> according to my friends. They have their hay bales. They only have corn. What am I talking about? I live on a farm. <laughs> I was about to say, I went to your house. It's only farm. It's only farmland. Anyway, we are from Tennessee, but we just moved to Chicago like a month ago. It's been a month. Exactly a month? It's been... Munch. It's been exactly a munch. A munchkin. It's been a munchkin amount of time. I'm nervous. It's been a month since we moved here. How does that make you feel? Take a drink. Real quick. Mm. I got that, that. Got that Pinot. Oh, sorry. I don't have Pinot yet. I don't know what that is. I've never heard of Pito. I've never taken a drink in my life. <laughs> I've never drank anywhere in my life. Um, <laughs> does does Catholic cross sign? Um, so yeah, we moved to Chicago about a month ago. We are two uh, young adults looking to be in the entertainment business. I'm looking for anything because <laughs> i want money but uh my primary focus is acting either in theater or film i'd like to try both but i mean i've been in theater but i'd like to try film and then ren i am primarily into film and also writing well, i've been into writing I've tried, I, I did writing for a yeah, year all right well it's good for you to mention it now anyways <laughs> <laughs> yeah no we're both writers um, we're both writers but like one of us is a writer and the other is like trying to be a writer <laughs> yeah i mean you take it or leave it i hate you <laughs> 
Um, and we were in Chicago, and we've been trying to find jobs. It's not been going well for one of us. I'm not going to say one of us has a job and the other's still looking, but that's the fact. Don't worry, John. <laughs> it's Don't you worry, Padre. Anyway, we decided to make a podcast because we were bored, and everyone and their mother's making a podcast. And Literally. Yeah. It, this is more for our entertainment and, like, maybe some friends. And if it catches on, great. If it doesn't, this is just a way for us to get our creative minds going. But again, if it does catch on, we are very grateful for that, especially the one who does not have a job, because that could bring me money. I'd like to thank the fans and everyone who supported me through this endeavor. I would like to thank the Academy. (laughs) Accepting our award. I would like to thank the Academy for adding the podcast section to the award show. I beat Meryl. (laughs) Don't worry, I'm better than Meryl. Um, Meryl Streep, if you're listening. (laughs) Yeah, right. If you're listening, we're sorry that we don't mean that, and we know you're not. That's it. That's the end of our career. Um, That's how it goes. But yeah, we decided we would start a show and we were thinking about what to do for the longest time. And then one day I was alone and I was like messing around on my computer and I was like, what would be our gimmick? What would be our shtick? Our shtick. And I thought of movies, but then also more than that, I thought of TV shows. I thought of plays. I thought of musicals. I thought of media. Hence the name media psycho uh it was a play it's a play on uh one of my favorite movies which we'll get into in a little bit uh gee i wonder what it could be uh it's actually uh polly pocket and the amazing (laughs) (laughs) polly pocket the amazing dream coat i know you've never heard of it (laughs) god it's it's such a niche movie that i never would have guessed um but yeah we decided we would make a podcast about media of movies tv shows plays slash musicals uh even like news every now and then i'm not a news person but ren's a news person she's gonna get me caught up it's gonna be one of the learning points of our podcast and uh also like maybe some songs later on we've talked about that but this is sort of the first (laughs) (sighs) songs music um but this is sort of the first go at it that we have um we're gonna see how it goes so we will try our best to my family i will try not to say things that you would rather me not say and to my family only my mom will listen to this and since i know more about you than i've ever wanted to know you're gonna be fine about it oh (laughs) sorry it's not weird sorry it's bonding you should know more about your parents i know enough (laughs) you do know enough i know enough my mother knows plenty about me so that's enough with the bonding I don't want to know more about your family than I already do. Gee, thanks. <laughs> if it's not my family, I don't want to. Yeah, that's fine. I don't want to know. Like, If it's not my family, I don't want to know more than surface level. It's fine. Um, so, yeah. So uh, one thing about our podcast is that it's not just conversation about media. It's also conversation and other types of entertainment. What kind of other types of entertainment am I talking about, Ren? I would just like to say that I believe in chastity to a T. <laughs> so I have no idea what so he's I would, about. So I would have never 
thought of any other kind of entertainment. How dare you? Oh, God, my parents are going to kill me. You're the one that brought it up. That's not even know, remotely close to what I was going to say. I'm so dumb. I'm so stupid. Oh, my God. Uh, no, Ren, the other type of entertainment is drinking. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, they're saying they would be it's upset with bad. me for. Hey, we're over 21. It doesn't matter. I'm 22, and you're an age. I could be 50, and my grandfather would leave his grave and pull me out of my home. Facts. And hit me with the Bible. No, he wouldn't. No, he wouldn't. My mom's going to be mad at that, too. Oh, my God. They're going to cut me off. Hey, the truth. <laughs> got to get the truth out there. Our gimmick is that while we're talking, we're also drinking. And we've gotten a few drinks in before we started the episode. Uh, what drink have we been drinking, Ren? We have been drinking. First of all, what is it? It's a drink. Okay, what kind of drink? Wine. Okay, what kind of wine? White. But what does it come in? Comes in a box. Yeah, box wine, baby. My college babes out there. My broke babes. My college broke babies. I, oh, a truck just went by. That thing goes by all the time. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, it's a box of wine. Yeah. It's what brand? Franzia. Yeah, it is. And yeah. what, what um, distinct... Pinot Grigio with... Yeah, Pinot Grigio Columbard. So, yeah, it pairs well. Also, I like what they did with them on the box. It pairs well with garlic, shrimp, crab salad, and summer nights. The fuck does summer nights mean? I don't know. I guess if you're recording a podcast and it's a summer night like tonight, it, it this is great. Oh, well, then we thought ahead. That's what it is. Exactly. So I can't have it in winter. I can't have it on like Groundhog's Day. It says summer night. So it does not say winter. It does not say Groundhog. Fall. No. Football games. No. No. <laughs> Ball games. You know, I'm, I'm first in line for those football games. Hey, Chicago Bears. Am I right? Chicago Bears. I was going to say the Cubs, but that's the uh, baseball. Wow, Aaron. I'm still learning. I don't sports. Anyway. Well, Aaron, what are you drinking right now? <laughs> well, I was drinking Franzia, but I've turned to the only thing we have in this <laughs> motherfucking house, and that's vodka and orange juice. <laughs> so No, we have club soda. Okay, sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't want just watered down vodka. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I hate vodka. For those that you, for those of you that like vodka, more to you. You can take all the four handles that we have in our kitchen. Yeah. But we had a housewarming party. People left vodka, and I don't understand why people love vodka so much. But they brought a lot of vodka. So I, neither of us. Because vodka is the cheaper liquors. I mean, it? fair, but you can also get cheap liquor of any kind. Look at your box of Franzia wine. Not liquor. I mean, yeah, but it'll get, I would much prefer that than vodka. Anyway, so it was what we had, and I needed to drink more, and I wanted Ren to drink more of the wine. So I made a screwdriver. I sacrificed myself. You're welcome. You're, yeah. Okay, yeah, thank you. <laughs> but anyway, we wanted to let you know what we're drinking, so that way if you wanted to do a fun game of, like, we want to drink what they're drinking, you can go ahead. <laughs> and if you don't care, then I'm sorry we've wasted, how long is it, 12 minutes of your time? Every time Vryn says, oh, Mom, I'm sorry, take a drink. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime you hear my laugh, that sounds like a three-year-old child in preschool. Take a drink. <laughs> clink. All right, clink. Nice. Okay. Ooh. 
It actually just tastes like OJ right now, so I think I did good. Okay, so each episode we're going to try to have a theme. And for the first episode, we thought we would tackle one of the hardest questions that people can get asked of media, including movies, television, and play slash musicals. And that's just, what are your favorites? Yeah, because I think a lot of people are like, uh, that's not hard. But really, I was able to name the first two. Of Each category, and then the third one's hard. And the third one is always hard. Yeah. Well, I was going to say that, like, I think for anyone, you can always say, like, oh, this is my favorite movie, hands down. But, like, if you really take into consideration every single movie you've ever seen yeah. and everything that it, all the movies have to offer or all the TV shows or all the plays slash musicals, it's it's got to change. Yeah. It can't stay the same. No. At least for me. I can, I, yeah. it, like, it changes. No, because my favorite movies were very different when I was in high school. And then when I went to college, all of my tastes, they changed a great bit. And, but just also the knowledge that I had with it, it, that just kind of altered my way of viewing which ones are my favorite. Well, yeah, because you're like, before that, you're in high school or you're in middle school and you're like, I know Anything about anything. That's how I spoke. I don't know about you, but like you just it's it's a part about it's the part of getting older where you learn more things and you become wiser. So like obviously your views are going to change because you're not as steadfast and like geared toward every single view you've ever had. Fun fact, I did try to fight uh, a classmate of mine at MTSU because he put Mad Men as one of the worst shows ever so two fun facts in there one we went to middle tennessee state university mtsu theater department Ayo. and then uh fun fact number two is that we just started watching mad men because well i just started watching mad men i am a connoisseur of mad men she's watched it a bunch john ham if you're listening john ham if you're with meryl streep and you're having a sleepover <laughs> and you're listening to our podcast together meryl i really do like you i would love to have you as a friend john Take me anytime. We'll just see where it goes. John, if you can make me an old fashioned and we can talk about one Mad Men and then two after that tag. I just want to see your lineage of how you got to that point. Oh my gosh. Tag. He was so good in that. He was so funny. Oh, that deserves an Oscar for sure. Okay. I don't know. No, no, no. I'll stand behind it. I will stand behind that. Listen, the Academy, they have made some questionable choices throughout their longevity. We'll get it. We'll get to that later. Not in this episode, but later. Sorry. Uh, No, you're fine. (laughs) But anyway, we're going to talk about our favorite uh, movies, TV shows, and plays slash musicals but to make it easier we're going to talk about the top three of each now for me it changes all the time so my opinions are going to be my favorites as of now and you can have opinion on them you cannot have opinion on them whatever will sway you i don't care but (laughs) our parents will let us know their opinions on them (laughs) parents first and then friends slash new fans if we ever get those uh you can share your opinions and maybe we'll bring them up later who knows shout out we're going to talk about our top three movies tv shows and plays slash musicals so i'm gonna let ren start and then after we name each one we're gonna talk a little bit about them yeah ren so we're gonna start with movies i don't have mine in a particular order it's just top three like the first three i went to so of your list, what would be what is one of your top three films? 
So in Chicago, there is a theater called the Music Box Theater. Oh. Yeah, you know where I'm going. Okay, they showed Jaws recently, and that was not the first time I watched it. I've watched it plenty of times. I'm a huge advocate for saying that Jaws is the best summer flick you will ever watch. Which is so gruesome and satirical in a way, but I love it. It's a perfect blend of fear and excitement. It will get you going. I've always thought Jaws because like I said, it's a summer flick, but just also, I mean, everything about this was Spielberg's breakout uh, film success and the fact that to me um, that he went to the studios and they tried to undermine him every step of the way and you know because he was younger and they tried to be like no uh, listen kid we'll help you we know what to do and blah 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 all that and he just really went with his gut and there were a lot mess like mess ups and everything but everyone pulled themselves together and they created a really great film yeah, it, it's just something that I feel like stands the test of time. Absolutely. So, fun facts. One, Ren, out of the two of us, uh, was the one in college to take film classes. Hey, hey. And so she's going to be the more educated, uh, studious uh, take on yeah, opinions of five. media between the two of us. So she's going to teach me some things. Um, and then two, uh, the music box, its gimmick nowadays is that it'll show films in reels of film, like actual physical film that it was shot in. So they'll do like 35 millimeter, 70 millimeter. Yeah. So it was opened in the 20s during the Great Depression, August 22nd, 1929. And it won't do a lot of movies all the time but it has a few showings every now and then so recently it was like uh jaws and then they're gonna do ghostbusters and they've done back to the future cabaret west side story stuff like that older films that people can go and feel the nostalgia of going to see an opening because it is in real film Another thing about Jaws when we saw it was that it was a drink-along film. Now, what does that mean, Ren? It means that there were rules. And some of the rules, I wish I still had the paper. But it was like, you know, drink every time you hear the theme song. And they asked us to do it real quick. But what I really loved about it was the fact that there were so many guys that came in in like the uh, beach t-shirts and the yacht caps and the pipes and everything. Like you can tell that this is a film that kind of does have sort of a cult following to it but i feel like a lot of times when you think about cult films you think like mean girls or heathers or clerks or i don't know something like that and not something as quote-unquote revered as jaws yeah it's a uh, to me it's a pretty mainstream film i remember when i was younger i watched it a couple times my grandmother had it on vhs and not only vhs but back then it was released on two vhs tapes because it was so long and we would wa- I would watch that every now and then during the summer, and it would be on during, like, Shark Week when we went to Myrtle Beach or something. Wait, why would you go to Myrtle Beach during Shark Week? Because we were poor, and that's the only beach we could go to. Keep up, Ren. But why during Shark Week? We'll get into it later. 
but it's a question because that's the gimmick of it uh but i remember watching it and i used to think it was really terrifying and i kind of still do i'm kind of still terrified of like beaches and sharks and stuff because like it can happen people have gotten attacked anyway blah blah blah. it's a movie that i didn't appreciate as much when i was younger but as i've gotten older i've grown to appreciate it more and more and especially going to see it at the music box in this environment was very eye-opening first of all it felt like we were at like the premiere of the movie oh absolutely yeah because of just the reactions and the genuine like terror of like seeing the shark and the screams and the laughter and just everyone enjoying it was just so phenomenal and i will not forget like that experience so that's why it was great for me i mean it was just a newfound respect for it definitely um after being able to view it uh because i had never gotten the chance i know tcm they uh they do movies uh like reruns of movies into the theaters again and i've never watched jobs like that so i've always watched it in my living room in my personal space but to finally be able to watch it with all kinds of people who it's a mixture of having a love for it uh have always watched it or some people who have never watched it and this was their first time i mean it was great yeah yeah. so what are really quick to highlight the film for you what are some of your favorite why is this in your top three i would probably have like a top three for that as well because it's it's acting it's story base and it's also just knowing all of the technical difficulties that they experienced and it still came out on top i mean this was the highest grossing film for a long time and it was only surpassed when george lucas came out with star wars yeah it was yeah well i mean and i could i could be correct on that maybe not the highest grossing movie of all time but I I believe it's like definitely like in its genre or something for a while, or maybe it was like summer box office, highest grossing, something like that. But yeah, there was a big record that it set, and then George Lucas, I guess, (laughs) overachieved it. What like what what am I trying to say? Like he he definitely busted through that. Yeah, busted through it. That glass ceiling of (laughs) box office hits, and they were both friends. You know, it's really funny. Um, So Wondery they do a lot of podcasts and they did a podcast about the making of jobs. Yeah. Great podcast. We love you. So I learned so much through that alone and that kind of also, I loved it before that, but just listening to that, I was kind of like, Oh yeah. Okay. So that's what really happened. Mm-hmm. All the times the shark wouldn't work. And the fact that they did not oh, shoot. Yeah. yeah. They didn't shoot in a pool. Really? They, they shot out in open waters. Yeah. So that was a another task. But yeah, it was just, it kind of just hits all three out of the ballpark. And of course, when you have a strong director like Spielberg, even though he was very young at the time, and I mean, it just all goes down the path for succession. He, I mean, he's one of the producers of one of my favorite films, Back to the Future, which I didn't include in this uh, list only because it's a trilogy and I can't separate them, even though it's a wonderful mu- movie. Uh, it's, I can't, I couldn't separate them and put them into the list list, but he always brings like a wonderful energy and charisma to any movie he's like a part of or directs or produces. However, he does that. And you can tell in the movie, like the actors are great. The story's great. It keeps you on your toes and yeah. it's just a great ride all the way through. 
It definitely has the Spielberg touch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. The Spielberg touch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, we'll go into one of my top favorite films now, I guess. Hit it. <laughs> Hit it. Bam, 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 bam. I don't know why I did stay alive. Stay alive. Stay alive. I don't know why I did that. Anyway, um, so one of my top favorite films, uh, again, in no particular order, order i just wrote three down uh the first one i thought of was nightcrawler i've never watched that you've never watched it so uh we can watch that soon because it's a fantastic movie so it stars jake gyllenhaal it was released in 2014 and let me tell you when i saw this film it was terrifying and beautiful at the same time yeah he plays like a really creepy guy doesn't he oh man he's so creepy to give you an insight of what he thought of to get prepared for this role he thought of a coyote (laughs) and he like i know it's funny but he imagined like being a coyote and what a coyote is to prepare for this role so like the hunger the diet the skinny like meat and bones when you think of a coyote like starving and wanting to get the next meal blah blah, blah. that's what he did yeah that's what he did for this role if a guy ever came up to me and it's like i want to date you like a coyote i would run for the hills oh i hope you do because I've, i hope no one's ever used that line because i don't think it would ever work um but it's a 2014 movie it stars jake gyllenhaal and it is directed by dan gilroy um directed by dan gilroy and it's basically a film about the news entertainment industry jake gyllenhaal's character lewis bloom is a like cinematographer or like cameraman for news he so this is the synopsis when lewis bloom a con man desperate for work muscles into the world of la crime journalism he blurs the line between observer and participant to become the star of his own story so basically jake gyllenhaal's character lewis bloom he's like so desperate for money and he's ready to like get in there and he's so gung-ho about working because he wants to get money however he can he decides to join journalism and be a cameraman for the news but as the story progresses you find out that he is so hungry to be the top cameraman and the first one on the scene or the first one to get the story that he's willing to do anything to do so yeah which like even goes as far as spoiler alert spoiler alert for those that haven't seen it you can jump ahead if you can at some point in the film he is the first one to a scene where it's like a wreck and a guy has been like brutally injured he's like on the ground he's bleeding he's probably dead i think he's dead and what he does to amp up his footage is he moves the body and like puts it in a certain light in the headlights of the car to show like a better portrait to where when he films it it will get better bids and like better offers when he goes to news channels and news anchors and offers his yeah Sicko. oh yeah but it's like it's he's so good at it and it's beautifully creepy and beautifully awful that you're just like man that is an actor like jake gyllenhaal is in the top 
five actors of all time for me. Like he's just so passionate about what he does. And in this film in particular, it's just so gruesome that like, even he knows like in interviews, he's talked about how horrible this person is and how horrible the movie is. But he's like, but I couldn't think of it like that because I'm an actor. Yeah. And to me, it has to be right. Like it has to be morally correct for him as an actor. And so he thought of it as like, I can't remember specifically what he said, but basically he compared it to being an artist and like, creating the painting or creating the scene or the artwork to be portrayed to the audience that will best like give that will best portray his story give like the audience what they're wanting to watch before they even know what they want to watch yeah and it's like i won't give too much away but like just the performance of the actors in the film the story that he that is like portrayed and the actor and the character is willing to portray in the film it's just so deep and sadistic and like it just it's just really shows you and it's like almost true is like how far will someone go to make this their art or their work um and it's almost up there i was reading like it's almost up there with uh prisoners that's also a fantastic film that he did a year before did you ever see that no. He just put so much into his acting, and he had two films out at the time, Prisoners and Enemy, uh, another film, Enemy, but because of his preparation for Nightcrawler and his devotion to the film, he like couldn't even acknowledge or enjoy Enemy or Prisoners. Wow. Because he's so enthralled in the character. That's kind of an almost dangerous uh, route to go as an oh, actor, though. Sure. I've had that debate so many times and listeners, if you want to comment yourselves <laughs> on like the line between like method and how far you should go and how far you should go. But I've always had a debate with myself on what is method and is method good for acting or is it just like, is that just like another step that maybe we shouldn't take? I don't yeah. know. It's so scary. Should we be better actors? And Should we be better actors? Think a little bit more. Should we just like be healthy maybe? But yeah, it's like almost up there with uh, American Psycho or yeah, that, I mean, something like that. Like in their mind, it's all correct or good yeah but to the outside world it's like what the fuck are well, you when doing? you were talking about it that's exactly what i thought it was yeah. christian bell in american yeah. psycho just yeah. because of like what you said where he's thinking you know like well what's wrong mm-hmm. and everyone else is like dude check yourself in yeah no. you need rain it rain it in <laughs> please <laughs> but yeah i just think it's one of the one of the greatest movies that i've ever seen because like any really anything I see Jake Gyllenhaal in I know he puts 100% into it and he's a different person every time but it's just such a horrible person and a horrible story morally that like when you see him portray it and you're like oh I hate you that's when you know it's like amazing exactly well it's like a lot of different characters where you like them but you hate the fact that you like them I mean the character J.R. Ewing from the soap opera series Dallas I believe is like one of the first ones that really kind of created that where you just kind of do like this two step dance until you finally decide what you want so that's uh, one of my top three so ran over to you what's your second top three okay boys and girls um, we're going to talk about another great film written by the late great Nora Ephron. I love Nora Ephron and this movie 
is when Harry met Sally. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, shit. So, for those of you who don't know, the plot is... I've never seen that movie. What? <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, I actually own it. Crystal and... Meg Ryan. There you go. Yeah. God, Meg Ryan. Did you say Peg Ryan? I'm, I said Meg Ryan, but I was taking a drink, so it came out as Peg Ryan. Meg Ryan uh, is... Meg we, Ryan, if you're listening. We Meg Ryan, if you're having a sleepover with... Uh, John Hamm. With John Hamm and Meryl Streep. We know that you're a fan. We're sorry to get it wrong. Um, yeah, No, she just... She's always in those great movies, like Sleepless in Seattle. Oh, yeah. She... I mean, that's another... Nar- that's another Nora Ephron film. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. She's just... She's the girl. I mean, she she is. But you know what's really interesting is that she always looks so little and petite in her films. Like, she never looks overly tall. She's an average height for a woman, but she looks to be like 5'2 or 5'3. Sure. It's really incredible, so I'm not sure what's going on there. Uh, blocking, probably. Anyways. <laughs> so, yeah, When Harry Met Sally, it's written by Nora Ephron. It's directed by Rob Reiner. Uh, stars Billy Crystal, uh, Meg Ryan, and also Carrie Fisher, another oh, late great. Yeah. Okay. Um, she stars as one of the friends. Nice. Uh, and there are times where I feel like I can relate to her, but... I'm not sure if that's a good thing. Anyways, mm-hmm. uh, she finds love, so I'll be fine. <laughs> so the movie, it, obviously, I'm sure a lot of you know, is two friends. It's a guy and a girl. They're on their way to New York. They're done with college. And they aren't, I mean, they aren't exactly friends in the beginning, but they begin to have a discussion about why men and women can't be friends. And... The age-old question. The age-old question. Can men and women ever be friends? Because Billy Crystal says that the three-little-letter word, S-E-X, for all you G-rated listeners, yeah, that gets in the way. Fucking. And so from a female perspective, God, Aaron, (laughs) I just not heard that. Hey, for our R-rated listeners, that's how... <laughs> that's what it is. <laughs> um, yeah, my mother hates the term banging. Banging? God, I feel like there's so many other... So why does your generation Worst always have to still. bang people? <laughs> Anyways. Why you always... Huh? Stop it! <laughs> so, yeah. So they ponder that question, and Meg Ryan sits back, and she's like, you know, from a female perspective, she's like, what? No. <laughs> She's like, wise words. What? No. (laughs) Get it on a t-shirt. But, and then just like the story kind of continues and time moves on. This is definitely a movie that evolves over a long period of time. Um, I think it goes on maybe 20 years. Maybe is the length of it. It's around that time. So, I mean, obviously there were some other rom-coms. So, obviously there were a couple before that. For me, personally, I feel like that's just the one that everyone thinks about. They're always like, oh, yeah, when Harry met Sally. And because it also, the story involves friendships over time and how those evolve. I think you mean Big with Tom Hanks in 1988, a year before. The love between... A young kid and his older self. I love a romance between a young boy and his older self. And big piano keys. And big piano keys. That's all you need to know. That's all I know about the film, honestly. (laughs) 
That's all you need to know. Anyway. The writing of it and the fact that Rob, Reiner, and Nora Ephron, the two characters, Harry and Sally, are based on the director and the writer themselves. And the fact that they use their own personal life to kind of reflect on that and what is dating in the modern age. And of course, it was modern age for them. But, you know, the question kind of almost still stands. You know, like, what is dating during this time? What does that mean? What about friends? What about relationships? What are we going to do? Blah, blah, blah. And it just kind of goes down from that. Also, the blending of humor and drama, really. Sure. Because there's a moment. It's a fantastic. There are two fantastic moments. There's a moment when Harry has a breakthrough. He's talking to his friend. They are at, I think they're at like a Yankees game. And there's the wave going through the crowd. And they are doing this seemingly fun, relaxed thing. But yet Harry is talking about the demise of his marriage. And mm-hmm. it's just such kind of like a juxtaposition there. And then Sally later is crying about her past failed relationship and she just has this realization that she's going to be 40 and Harry hits her with when and she replies back with someday and just keeps going and it's just like it's such a normal conversation that people have God, (laughs) like I mean I do I view myself I'm like oh my gosh that is me I will be 40 someday, like... I'm gonna be 40. When? Someday. Why do you sound like Jennifer Coolidge? I don't know. (laughs) I'm gonna be 40. Oh, God. (laughs) You look like the 4th of July. (laughs) Makes me want a hot dog real bad. (laughs) Um, God, that's just such a romantic comedy line. I'm gonna be 40 when... But it's true. Like, she's going back in that moment. I guess. I guess it's true. I'm going to be 80. When? Someday. Yeah, that's that's true. Maybe. That's what he should have said. Maybe if you're lucky enough. Maybe if you're lucky. That's the missing (laughs) in the writing. That's what they're missing. Jesus. And for all you listeners out there, I want you to know if you're sitting at home and you're pondering, can I look at my really good guy friend that I talk about relationships with? Can we make it work? I'm telling you right now, it does not work. Take it from a young woman's experience. That shit will crash and burn (laughs) faster than so many things I can think of right now. Hindenburg. (laughs) Apollo, one of them. Uh, Which one was before? (laughs) Which one was... Whichever one that did not succeed. The one that blew up. (laughs) Challenger? Sick, Aaron. What is wrong with you? It's true. It's the drinking. I'm sorry. The Apollo. um, We're going to be canceled before we even broadcast. (laughs) Hitler's art dreams it crashed oh, before I was about to say his like I'm like that kind of lasted a hot no, minute that was successful unfortunately <laughs> I'm just saying it's a great movie but don't ever sit back and think oh maybe and if your mothers are sitting there saying yeah try it say no because a, a smart young lady told me not to that's it Ren Creasy the smart young lady 
So yeah, Harry, when Harry Met Sally, I've been meaning to watch it at some point. I was going to watch it at some point, but I mean, it's not my top. It's not in the top of it's my. It's a good movie. It's your. I mean, I just feel like they don't make rom coms like that anymore. I, it's not in a high part of my radar, but I knew I was going to have to watch it at some well, point. Well, it will be now. Yeah. You've made me watch Donnie Darko and Jailhouse Rock, which is which are two brilliant movies. Jailhouse Rock was cute. Uh, Donnie Darko, it's a very split decision. You make some kind of comment wherever on if you enjoy it or not. We'll talk about it later. Well, I'm not a depressed pothead, so I didn't think it was good. All right. Well, <laughs> all right. Well, you could not be a pothead and enjoy it, but that's just my decision. <laughs> Canceled. All right. Canceled. Anyway. So, uh, the next one on my list, in no particular order, is Psycho by Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> Never even heard of her. Never heard of her. (laughs) Never heard of her. (laughs) Um, So Psycho by Alfred Hitchcock. It was made in 1960. Psycho was, I mean, people were already thinking, okay, so you need to hang up your hat now while you're ahead. So I've watched the, uh, there's a biopic of him making this film called Hitchcock. And it's a beautiful film. It's really great with uh, Anthony Hopkins and uh, what's her name? Helen Mirren. Is it Helen Helen Mirren. Is it Helen Mirren? Yeah. Okay. Helen Mirren. Uh, it's a biopic about him discovering the story and he's about to be washed up and quit, but then he finds this book and he's like, I'm going to make a movie based on this book. So Psycho comes about and it's about Norman Bates, who's a lonely man who's in charge of a motel off of a deserted, abandoned highway and a woman named uh, Marion Crane. She has been living a mundane life she's been seeing another man who's married and she's trying to live like the life she wants but she can't and one day she decides i'm gonna run away but before that i'm gonna steal some money because you ungrateful harlot you ungrateful harlot you you 60s blonde you know what's really cute though is the so like close to attention to detail that Hitchcock gives and that he directed Edith I believe it was Edith Head who did the costuming I could desperately be wrong on that but they have her in white lingerie in the scene in the lovemaking scene yeah and then when she's already stolen the money and she's changing to leave she's in black lingerie some of that subtle storytelling that we've learned about so yeah, she steals money, she decides she's going to run away, and she's going to meet Sam Loomis at some point, her lover, and be like, we're going to start a new life with all this money. But it's raining, and she can't go on, and she accidentally gets turned onto this old abandoned highway, and she stops at the Bates Motel, speaking of which, it's a great spinoff television series, you should watch it, it's really wonderful, it kind of makes it modern, but it's also like talking about the rise of Norman Bates, and how he became who he was it's really wonderful anyway so she stops there and norman bates is like yeah you can stay the night i'm all alone no one's here and it's nice to have company and then while she's taking a shower no spoilers but during a tour i had one time i stayed in a lot worse hotels than that so i would i would have been thankful for the bates motel is what i'm saying yeah um, it's a very nice, it seems lovely, but then you realize that 
uh, maybe not everyone is who they say they are. Uh, Anthony Hop, Anthony Perkins. I keep getting confused. Yeah. Anthony Perkins does a wonderful job portraying this character of a tormented, self-loathing man who's just looking to make things right and can't control urges. Uh, It was one of the revolutionary moments where a big-name actress was in a film for only the beginning, not maybe 30 minutes, 25 to 30, uh, and was, spoilers, she was killed off. It's been out for seven years almost 70 years um 60 70 anyway it was 60 per my math anyway uh get off at the beginning it was a great way to bring in audiences and work for marketing the book psycho the character norman bates was short and bald and fat and grotesque looking like drool everything and so i mean that that was the number one thing that hitchcock was like no we're changing because who would ever who would ever feel comfortable to stay with somebody like that if you if you're being made to feel uncomfortable yeah it's one of those in my opinion it's like very much like this is a film inspired by the book psycho but it's not based on it because in my opinion based on means mostly taken directly from the primary source material yeah and turned it into a different like medium but inspired by is like oh i've seen this or i've read it but i'm gonna do my own version and change it to where it's anyway um but yeah it's just it's a classic uh my grandmother it loves alfred hitchcock and she was the one that introduced me to the film and it's a really great storytelling film for the time because it's like older but it can still frighten you and it still seems like it's got some new inventive ways of storytelling and like the camera work and the subtle details like you were talking about it's just it stands the test of time it's like always great and it's always a good time to watch right I mean, I don't even look at this movie like, oh, I only want to watch this here in October. No. No, I can watch it at any point. Yeah. I own it on Blu-ray, on Steelbook. No, not on Steelbook. But, like, I own it on Blu-ray. It's, like, one of my favorites. And I'm, like, I can pop it in at any point. And also, like, it inspires so many other films. It did. As well. I mean, um, what's his name? William uh, Blatty. Or, no, not William Blatty, my apologies. William Freakin, who has directed The French Connection. He also directed The Exorcist. He was very much inspired by Hitchcock and the movie Psycho. Um, and so, I mean, that, that just shows you that, you know, one director and his film can influence thousands of others and create more legends. Halloween in yeah. the 70s. Like, an, an unknown, like, not primary faced figure haunting like a certain person going after young women right like exactly. it's terrifying yeah fun fact if you don't know jamie lee Curtis. who is she the daughter of janet lee janet lee yeah. there we go <laughs> scream queens Woo. gosh that's a great tv show freaky friday you know the main thing she's known for <laughs> The her main media, um, but yeah, that's uh, another one of my favorites. It's always it's a classic, and uh, that's more of a movie that I'm always like, I love this film, and I think it's one of the best ones. Yeah, so, watch it. 
I would say it's not even like a now for now. It's my favorite. Like it's always one of my favorites. Okay, so my third and final film would have to be another Alfred Hitchcock. Um, This is the film that in college, in all of my film classes, a lot of my professors, they uh, praised and they often referenced it uh, and to them and again to me, this is the basis for a great film. Uh, and it is Rear Window. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Rear Window. I watched that for the first time. When? Two, three years ago. Oh, nice. So um, it's basically uh, starring, uh, starring Jimmy Stewart and Grace Kelly. And it's a, about a man, Jimmy Stewart, who is stuck in his apartment. The character Jimmy Stewart. The character Jimmy Stewart himself. <laughs> Wait, what did I say? You said, it's about a man, Jimmy Stewart, who... <laughs> the character Jimmy Stewart himself. It's a documentary. The actor. <laughs> the actor Jimmy, Jimmy Stewart. Stewart. If you're in your grave, just know that I <laughs> Jimmy you. Stewart, if you're in your grave, having a sleepover. <laughs> With Meryl Streep, John Hamm. John Hamm. <laughs> <laughs> what was the other one? Just know that we love you all. <laughs> if you're having a seance with Jimmy Stewart. (laughs) My bad. The character, his character, Jimmy Stewart's character, is um, suffering from an injury. He's a photographer, and he is stuck in his apartment. It's a very hot summer, and all he can do when his girlfriend isn't visiting him is spy on the neighbors. Those of us that have been in those positions where we can only spy on the neighbors and do nothing else it's really easy to spy on our neighbors i'm not saying i've done it but i'm i just would like to say that i think it's pretty easy to i definitely have done it (laughs) wow weirdo okay (laughs) sicko on here jesus but yeah um to me this movie has the most beautiful entrance of any actress i have ever seen in film um grace kelly when she first enters into the film oh my gosh it's just uh breathtaking i love it and i I mean you can't even really describe it it's just something that you do have to watch um but it definitely is unlike any other but two big things i really do want to talk about um so many of alfred hitchcock's stories and uh, films I should say they are based on short stories a lot of them or um, novellas and um, so that's a really interesting thing is that uh, Alfred Hitchcock did a lot of his research and so Rear Window is actually kind of like I can't necessarily remember if it's based on a short story or if this was actually a crime that he read about that happened is it? I can't remember. I think it may be an actual crime that took place. That like kind of like the gist of the idea of it. Um, so two big things like editing wise, editing and sound wise. Uh, Rear Window is known for its jump cuts a lot of time. Sorry. To interrupt, uh, we've looked it up and it is based on the 1942 short story by Cornell Woolrich's It Had to Be Murdered. Nice. Clarification. But yeah, so 
jump cuts were used a lot. So basically you would get a shot of Jimmy Stewart talking on the phone or doing something in the apartment, often looking at the neighbors. And then you would, you know, like, so to speak, jump cut to the net shot and it would be what Jimmy Stewart is looking at. And that happened a lot. It was back and forth, back and forth throughout the film. But it was a great way of really laying the audience in on it. I mean, obviously the audience is watching it, they're viewing it, they're understanding it. But to make it seem like it's through their eyes too, through their own point of view, it just takes it up a notch. And then another big thing with Rear Window that I feel like is just a little bit different from a lot of other films is the sound. So in film, you have diegetic sound and non-diegetic sound. For those that don't know, could you inform us, Ren, of wow. what diegetic and non-diegetic sound? If only someone did not interrupt me. Anyways. I was trying to make a good intro for those that don't know. Okay. Because I didn't. Well, that was a good intro. You're welcome. I try to You're, it's okay. All right, enough of being nice. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> all right. Um, so, yeah, diegetic basically means that it comes from within the film's world. So, like I was telling Aaron earlier, like you have a character that's in the kitchen and they're doing the dishes and you hear the water running. Well, that's diegetic. Non is coming from outside of the world. So just think of typical film scores that you hear a lot of times. And God, I hope I'm right on all this because if I'm not, I don't like to be called out. <laughs> that's fine. That's how we learn. So uh, to clarify, diegetic sound is uh, sounds that are coming from the world of the film. So like if a person is washing dishes, the sound of that is diegetic. Uh, their conversation, the dialogue, the dialogue that's happening is diegetic, and and just any noise that's coming from the world of the film. Exactly. Okay, and then non-diegetic is like from sound cues or yeah, music, score, stuff like that, stuff yeah. added in later. Exactly. It's not really a, a part of the world. Yeah, that's not even really a part of the story. A lot of times. Yeah. Um. And music is the biggest thing, so it's not like I'm underlining that because music is one of the biggest components of a film. You turn music off during a thriller or a horror film, you're no longer afraid. Um, but yeah, so the sound, huh? I can definitely. He has really bad hiccups right now. I can definitely attest that because I turn off the sound or I plug my ears in a scary movie because. <laughs> you know what points made we get it hold your breath god um yeah so in rear window there's no there's zero non-diegetic sounds which is almost completely unheard of except for the very beginning of the film when you have the opening credits that is it really there's no music at the end there's like the person is coming into the door no it's all music of the universe of the film wow that's of the story yeah and normally i think of that and i'm like god how awful because here's another example 
New Moon. And let me tell you, that is not a good film. And that is a film that has almost only sounds from within the film universe. And it sucks. And it's boring. I'm, tar I'm sorry. Are you talking about the second film installment of the Twilight Saga? Absolutely, Mr. New Moon. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> You're just going <laughs> to... You're just going to compare. We're talking about Rear Widow, one of the m major cinematic masterpieces of all time. And then you're going to bring in. I mean, I get it. I am comparing a great film with great sound mixing to the shittiest of films with the shittiest of sound mixing. Sucky, <laughs> sucky film. And I don't need any little tween middle schoolers coming for me right now okay shitty sucky feel shitty ridiculous crap teen crap oh <laughs> thank you mom for getting me out of school let me go see the midnight premiere of it when it came I out let's not all act like we haven't seen and wanted to watch new moon at some point <laughs> We've learned our lesson. No matter who you, no matter who you are, you've seen or wanted to see New Moon in some form or fashion. Anyway. Anyways, yeah. So Rear Window does a really good job of making the viewer really anticipate what's going to happen. So I don't really want to give a lot away, but when you have somebody walking up a stairwell or something, there's no creepy music playing in the background. All you hear are the footsteps getting closer every time and jimmy stewart's panting a breath and just everything like that and again like normally i feel like music is such a big part that we're so used to it and we want to hear it but it just it worked it was perfect i will say that when i watched it for the first time and it got to that moment at the end where again spoiler alert where the neighbor arrives at his door and all you see is the light underneath oh, the gosh. crack of the door and then just the silence, but then the silence cut with the steps and the creaking mm -hmm. of the floorboards. Yeah. Oh my God. I was so terrified. I hated it. And I was with my girlfriend at the time and Hannah, I was with, um, <laughs> to clarify, Hannah, my girlfriend, um, I was with Hannah and we were in her bedroom and like the lights were off and we were watching it and I just, my heart sank because it was so good, but it was because it was so terrifying. Yeah. It just like cut hearing, oh man, I hated it, but it was so wonderful. Also, it's really interesting that the entirety of Rear Window was filmed on a giant sound stage. No, they're not really in apartments. I mean, obviously, you know that part of them aren't, but when he's looking out at the neighbors, those are real apartments. And the neighbors, they, they you know, obviously, they, they didn't even really have a script. All they had were tiny earpieces and Alfred Hitchcock sitting behind telling them, hey, go do this, go do this, do this. Okay, the camera's on you. Pull, no, don't pull, you know, struggle. Yeah. Did you know, have you, did you ever see the, I think it was 2009, the, the movie Disturbia? Yes, I have. Yeah, you did. I love that movie. I didn't know until later on that that was supposed, that was like supposed to be technically like a remake of yeah. Rear Window. Yeah. And personally, like, Good job. 
I think it was, I mean, for a modern, what was it? Okay, 2007. For a 2007 film directed by DJ Caruso, I'm not going to look up what else he's done, but with Shia LaBeouf and uh, other actors. (laughs) Shia LaBeouf's the only one I care about. But uh, with, with trying to do a modern take of Rear Window, uh, and the actors they had and the script they had and the circumstances it was in. To be honest, I thought it was a pretty excellent execution for the time. Yeah, yeah no, so I definitely watched that film first, but I had no idea Rear Window or anything like that. You know, I, I was know. in seventh grade, so I watched that first. Yeah, same. Yeah, so. And it's so interesting, though, but that when I watched Rear Window, I didn't think about that movie. I can't remember how I found out about it. I may have thought about it when I was watching it. I may have read about it later when I was reading like fun facts or something. But I just I think that's so interesting and like it's not Rear Window and it's not as revolutionary as Rear Rear Window. But like I applaud them for making that film and me. Yeah. Like you could watch those separately and be like I can see the similarities, but I but think they're, they're different, different enough. Yeah, they- and they are. They are pretty different in a way yeah but i also think they're both terrifying yeah oh yeah they both do a really good job because it's something that's so normal yeah i mean do you really know your neighbors i mean dennis rader the btk killer proved that i mean we don't really know our neighbors yeah and so part partially inspired it says right here partially inspired by alfred hitchcock's rear window right the film released uh but yeah it's I'm sure there's probably like a list out there of films inspired by or just I mean honestly complete remakes. How many remakes have there been of Psycho? Also. First of all, the are you talking about the the Vince Vaughn? <laughs> the Vince Vaughn remake of Psycho? We won't talk about that. Vince Vaughn, if you're having a seance <laughs> with Mero <laughs> Street <laughs> to him and, and the other one. <laughs> you can go back and listen to it. Whoever the other one is. Um if you're having a seance with Jimmy Stewart of all them, then we love you. I adore every film you're in, but at you're the same time, guy. here's the thing. As a whole, I feel like it's one of this is very deterring. We'll go into my third film here in a second, but uh, Psycho, the remake, the television film, I think it was wonderful only be, as an homage and like sort of, that's it. That's all. That's all I think about it as as an homage because yeah. one, they basically almost tried to create shot for shot a remake of Psycho. If you go back, they tried to do the same, almost the same camera work, yeah. almost the same, like basically the same plot line, the same lines, just a few variations here and there. I think they were almost spot on with the casting because here's the thing. Anthony Perkins at the time, people didn't think of him as that. Like it, even in the biopic about Hitchcock about him making the film, he talks about in a scene where he didn't think that Anthony Perkins, a good-looking man with such a good reputation, could play this part. And yet, he had an interview with him, and yeah. he was perfect for it. And it's like that's the same thing with Vince Vaughn. It's like you don't think he could be this character, but like. I'll give it to him in certain parts when he was Norman Bates. He was pretty creepy. Like, he was pretty weird. I mean, I Maybe just remember wasn't... watching a little bit of it, and I was like, wrong one, and turned it off. <laughs> yeah, fair, fair, fair. 
I had to watch it because I was like, I'm a diehard psycho fan. I just need to see wow. what it's about. But uh, that, he, Vince Vaughn did a great job. I think the main actress, and Hesh, or Hesh, however you say it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she, I, I think she was almost spot on. I don't know much of her career, but like she seemed like she would fit the part. Yeah. And she did a okay job. That's not a name I would have put for Marion Crane. But, I mean, like Julianne Moore, I yeah. would have put more as uh, Marion Crane than Lila Crane. Because Lila Crane at the yeah. time was supposed to be, a, she was an under, she was not as known of an actress. And right. that's why it worked. Right. It's because uh, Janet Lee was the name of the movie. Anyway, um, they did a good job. William is, H. Macy as Milton Arbogast. He was perfect for that role. It's like they tried to do exactly what Hitchcock did, but with modern actors. And I appreciate it for that. But as a whole, it just, it's underwhelming because it's, yeah. it's not. Well, I mean, just like Back to the Future, what would you think if somebody like tried to entirely recreate Back to the Future? Here's the thing. I thought about that the other day. I don't think it would be bad. We'll get into that. Later. We'll get into that later. We'll have another. Episode. Yeah, we'll have another discussion. Anyway, also, I do want to tell a little story about Disturbia. Go ahead. Okay. Make it quick. I will. Shall take my time. <laughs> um. So I'm in seventh grade, right? I'm watching it. My parents did not censor a lot of my movies or music. They were very free with it. My mother has told me recently that she regrets this. Anyways. <laughs> So I watched it and there is like, okay, remember how cell phones had like ring back tones, you know? You still have ring back tones. Whatever. Or uh, I don't even think it was a ring back tone. I don't know how to change it. Anyways, it wasn't a ring back tone, but it was like the ring tone where you could like play like songs instead of having just like the regular ring tone. Yeah, that you have is what I'm talking about. Anyways, whatever. Another. Hold on. If you ever call someone and you hear that. I'm with you and I understand that you also hate it and want to shoot the person you're calling. Anyway, it's not 2007 anymore. You can have a regular ringtone like every other. You can have a ringtone like every other person in fucking world. Well, I will world. look at Verizon tomorrow. Jesus okay? Christ. Okay, we'll drive to Verizon tomorrow <laughs> and change it personally. Anyway, no, anyway. I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> So, the like the ringtone for the cell phone is the classic song where they are quoted as saying, you make me so horny. And that is what it repeats over and over again. Wait, are you talking about that? Yes. <laughs> yes. I just want the listeners to know that if there's any of you. I want the listeners to know that the only reason I know about that ringtone is from Paul Blart Mall Cop. Oh my god. <laughs> borrows the cell phone of like his friend's daughter because he confiscated it from her. Whoa. Anyway, but like anytime he gets a call in the movie, it's like, uh-uh, be so horny. Uh-uh, so... It's so freaking stupid and I hate it. Anyway. Well, I was a very naive child and I didn't know what that word meant, but I thought it had a great beat. So one day, <laughs> I was here for the jams. I was here for the jams. I was here for the sick beat. 
sense. So on the way to the grocery store, my mom's driving, and I just started to repeat that. And she told me <laughs> to stop immediately what I was doing. As she should. She's a good mother. And she just said that was a bad word. I had no idea what it was. It was also like when she let me watch Mean Girls, and I looked at her one day, and I said, Boo, you whore. When she went, let me do something. That went over so well. <laughs> well, that's like me in third grade. I watched, uh, for those Jim Carrey fans out there, I watched The ma the Mask like religiously when I was in. Yeah, when I was younger. No, 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 it's a great film. Don't knock it. It's sexually perverted. Okay, yes, but it's a great film. Anyway, yeah. it, was, it was a different time. Anyway. Um, and I was in school and it was before, you remember when you used to go to the auditorium before school yeah. and you would like meet and, and before classes, yeah. Jeez, those were easier times. I wish oh, I was back there. Jesus. Anyway, it was first grade and I was like sitting with my friends in our usual row, you know, the like cool kid area. The row. No, it was the dork side of the auditorium. Uh, yeah, I saw your haircut. Yeah. No, the bowl cut. I was, a, I was an angel. I was a cherub. I was a fucking cherub. Anyway, um, I was with my friends and I was talking about uh, how I just watched this film. I was like, guys, I just watched this film. I don't remember exactly what I said. But it, I was telling them about how I watched The Mask and I was like, and then there was this one part. It was so funny. And it was the part where uh, he's getting arrested by the cops and they're like pulling stuff out of his pants. And they're like, they're like, small mouth bass. Wow. Bowling pin. And they're like, Pulling these random things Stop. out of his pants. And then he goes, Pictures, picture of Callaway's wife? <laughs> and the guy's like, what? Callaway. And he goes, uh-oh. And then he's like, Margaret, you son of a bitch. <laughs> and I can say that now, Mom, because I'm uh, 22 years old and I'm not a first grade. But I said that like in first grade in the auditorium. And one of my, one of my teachers was walking by and was like, what did you just say? And like yanked me out of my chair and brought me to the principal's office. I was not allowed to watch that movie for like several months. I said, <laughs> boo, you whore. Yeah. yeah, it's one of those things where it's like your parents give you a little leeway and you're like, yeah, I'm cool. I can totally keep this a secret. Totally. And you just say it. Oh, my like, parents didn't even say keep it a secret. They, they just, oh I didn't even know what it was. Yeah, no, my mom did. She was like, okay, I'll let you watch this. You just can't repeat any of it. I was like, yeah, totally, sure. And, you and then lied. immediately, immediately, it wasn't even a lie. It was just, I was so excited that I was like, guys, 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 this was so funny. Yes. I had high taste in humor when I was younger. Anyway. Uh, Obviously, Jim Carrey. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Anyway, so going back to the final part of this episode. Oh, um, the, <laughs> My number three, I mean, not really number three, but my third pick in this uh, top three movies in no particular order is the famously critically acclaimed Scott Pilgrim mm -hmm. versus the world. Again, I've never watched. Oh my God. Okay. I'm getting you to watch it. So all my Scott Pilgrim fans out there, uh, it was brought out in 2010. That's a weird way to phrase it. Uh, it came out in 2010. It was presented. It was birthed into the theaters. Uh, it was it was it debuted in 2010 and it starred Michael Sarah and Kieran Culkin, uh, Anna Kendrick, Alison Pill, Aubrey Plaza, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Jason Schwartzman, uh, Ellen Wong, uh, Billy, uh, just to name a few. Uh, just to name the entire cast, including the extras. 
Billy. It wasn't even Billy. It was Will Bose. Anyway, um, to name a few. Anyway, this was a fantastic film, and it was based on a comic series, a series of graphic novels by Canadian author and artist Brian Lee O'Malley. It's a movie based on the comics, and it was so well done. Holy shit. So it's about a guy named Scott Pilgrim, and he's in a band. And they play, like, grunge, guitar, like, garage band music. It's really, yeah. I'll put a clip in the podcast. But uh, <laughs> it's really great. And it's about a guy, he's, like, on his own. He's in a band, and he's, like, living his life. And he starts dating this girl, Knives Chow. Wow. She's a... <laughs> what a name. She's a, They make a joke about it. She's, like, an Asian girl who's like younger goes to high school but she goes to like private school so she's in like the school girls uniform and uh he's like yeah i'm cool i'm dating a younger chick blah blah blah. and then he meets this girl whose name is ramona flowers again what a name uh he like sees her and she's and he's like oh my god this girl's amazing i gotta date her and he's trying to get with her and then he starts dating her and she's like oh well there's a stipulation if you date me you have to date my seven evils. You have to def- date. <laughs> you have to date my exes. You have to defeat my seven evil exes. And he's like, what? Same. And it's like, yeah, same. Me too. <laughs> All the time. In my daily life. Um, so basically, it's like a superhero cartoon comic movie. It combines so many genres like video games, comics, cartoons, superheroes. It's just, it's a wild thing. And basically the whole story is like him trying to defeat these uh, men and even one woman progressive. Whoa. Uh, <laughs> Whoa. Two, two, it's 2019. It's okay. Um, uh, defeat all of her exes so that way he can be with her. And it's just such a, it's just a fun movie. It's beautifully shot. It's by Edgar Wright. He was the director, and he also directed, like, Shaun of the Dead, At World's End, um, or The World's End, and uh, Hot Fuzz with uh, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. Holy shit. Just, like, it's just beautifully shot. The most beautiful storytelling I've ever seen in my life. Edgar Wright, if you're listening to this, if you're having a seance with our group, (laughs) if you're having a seance with our members that we've mentioned before, um, you're just beautiful and I love your work. Anyway, um, the screenplay was also partially by Edgar Wright and Michael Bacall. Yeah, I remember when this movie came out. It was definitely a huge it was brilliant and like I love the music, the acting, amazing, the story. It's like enough to keep you interested to where even if you aren't interested in comics or superheroes or stuff like that that you will still enjoy it when you're watching it it's a beautiful story it's beautifully acted it's beautifully shot directed and it's a fun time no matter when or like what time or like how many people are over it's like something you put on and you'll enjoy it um and yeah i just appreciate that it like tries to culminate so many medias and fashions of entertainment comics superheroes movies uh video games and it's just so creative that i haven't seen anything really like it if there's anything like it out there i'll watch it if you have any suggestions but it's just so unique and has a lot of star power but not like 
the biggest names ever, but just people that have a big name in Hollywood that'll get you to see it, but yet they'll still produce good quality. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's not like Jumanji, the the second one with like The Rock and Kevin Hart and <laughs> Jack Black, where it's like they're banking on the names for it to bring in right. the audience, but then it ends up being good. I mean, uh, I enjoyed it anyway. Um, I hear One Night in Paris has been a hit. And it was really good. <laughs> You've never heard of that? Is that the one Bowen Wilson? <laughs> no, it's Paris Hilton's tape. You were like, <laughs> I've never you. seen anything like it. I'm like, I have. I hear I one night in Paris is a thrill. Uh, it's just, Wilson. it's a beautiful film. I'm gonna show it to you someday. Uh, Kieran Culkin. This is like, I've not seen him in a lot of things, and I'm so like astounded by his performance in this film really he's yeah he i mean he's done a lot of things he's he's even been alongside mccully in one film in particular that i know of but he like is one of those actors that i haven't seen in a lot of things and yet the one thing i have seen him in he was phenomenal um so yeah it's just a great film if you haven't seen it then you should watch it i think it's a great time it's fun it's funny it's uh entertaining it's heartbreaking it's just yeah it's a good time yeah he was in home alone he was he played like he played fuller yeah he played one of the cousins he did not play fuller isn't that it's gotta be shitty though, like seeing your brother get more famous than you? But then like yeah, Macaulay went look, to drugs yeah, and yeah, exactly. but he's doing so much better. He's like open. I think he's gay or like on the spectrum somehow. And he has a podcast and he has videos. He's getting back out there. He's doing so well. All right. I'm so yeah, I'm so grateful that Macaulay Culkin has found his way back. And he was a Frasier. Yeah, he was. Sure. I don't know. I didn't see him. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so. That was my last one. Yeah. So I think we were going to do TV shows and plays slash musicals, but yeah, we're chatty. As you can tell. <laughs> so I think we want to uh, save those for another episode. Yes. We're going we're gonna to actually probably make it like a three part where this is the first part with the films. We're going to make a second part with TV shows because we'll probably talk a lot about that too. Oh, yeah. Mad Men is involved. I will be talking. <laughs> we're going to go on a rant. But yeah, we're going to make it a, a, probably a three-part. And hopefully you keep listening. And if not, we're just happy to make this. And we're going to put it out into the world and see what happens. I feel like the two of us, we do have so many different things that we can contribute to the entertainment industry. Yeah, we have very different views. And yet, I like. I feel like we vibe together. We do. Also, hire us. Also, also... Hire me. I'm an actor. And my resume is looking. Um, That's me. Uh, but yeah, uh, so let's know what you think. And this, I think this is the end of the first episode. But yeah, we'll be coming out with more episodes. I don't know how it will work out. We uh, don't know when they'll be coming out. Yeah, we don't have a set like schedule when they'll come out. But we'll let you know if we do come up with a set schedule. But yeah, let us know what you think. And hopefully you enjoy listening to us. Hopefully you enjoyed listening to Media Psycho. Media Psycho. Ooh, crazy up in here. Like a radio, like a disc jockey, like 
Gosh, um, we'll we're so white. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll come out with more content later. If you want to keep listening to us, do that. And if not, we'll keep making it for some reason, and All it'll right. just be there. Now here comes um, the fun part. What? What's the fun part? Editing. Again, John Ham. <laughs> That's all I have to say a because you know. You can help us reach to court to John Ham, a core member. I just have to say your name, and and you know. That's yeah, our connection. Yeah. I know I do. <laughs> <laughs> I know I do. <laughs> No one's going to date me ever again. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. All right. Bye, guys. Peace.